Now it is time for our Slate Plus bonus segment. Pablo and Stefan are both still playing Torch Run. (laughs) We'll see how good they are at multitasking. So, Pablo, you started out at Sports Illustrated. Um, You're still a senior writer at ESPN, the magazine. But sort of as your career has progressed, you've um, become more well-known for being on all these ESPN shows I mentioned in the intro. PTI, highly questionable, around the horn. I've gotten gas bag ear, Josh. Gas bag ear is the adjective you're looking for. It is. Um, thank you. <laughs> thank you for saving me from having to say it myself. <laughs> Do you find it strange that you now talk about sports as much as you write about them? Is that anything that you were ever interested in? And sort of how do you, how do you think about that um, that evolution? It is eminently strange to me because, first off, it's it's a weird job to have. Like, I find myself um, actually finding ways to care about topics that, in my magazine life, um, when I was exclusively a magazine journalist, I would I would basically excise from my brain. Like, I did not need to care necessarily about having a, a really uh, – you know, hot take on something, um, whether it's the NFL game last night, whether it's even a, a social issue, that was something that I did at my own leisure. But now uh, I'm realizing that there is a there's a challenge to to have both energy and passion behind an opinion on something while also having um, any kind of intellectual integrity behind it. So for me, it's a totally different job. Um, but what I'm finding is that it is scratching an itch that I had um, that I didn't know I had because I wasn't a columnist. You know, I, I was I was a magazine feature writer and I still am. And so for me, it's kind of a backwards evolution in the sense that a lot of people I do television with are former newspaper columnists. In fact, most of them, if not all of them, wrote a column at one point, and that's how they came into the world of uh, of being a quote unquote opinionist, which I find to be uh, both complimentary and pejorative at the same time. Um, I, 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 for me, like having opinions on these news topics um, in any way resembling a column is most achieved through my television work. And that's something that I actually find gratifying. So Stefan, you went from the journal to being a commentator on NPR, right? Yeah. That was um, a transition, which is um, Probably Pablo would allow me to say a little bit less uh, hot takey than than ESPN and it's uh, sure. sports sports opinionizing. Um, and then you obviously started doing this podcast. Did you find it weird to start talking about sports when you started talking about sports? Yeah, except that it was talking about sports in a non-talking about sports way. And that was always the, the, the bomb for me. I mean, I never wanted to be a sports writer. I never you know aspired to work for a sports-only publication. So, I mean, I covered Wall Street for six years. Um, A little bit on the nose. Maybe. (laughs) Um, But so for me, the sports was always – the games themselves were always peripheral and I didn't want to have opinions about the stuff because I didn't care enough. And NPR allowed you to, to do that. Yeah, NPR allowed me to – it was mostly here's what's going on. Let's analyze an issue in four minutes and five questions that I wrote and wrote the answers to. Um, that's a dirty little secret about NPR, everybody. It's, it's edited. Um, you're, just lo- you're just lobbying alley-oops to yourself. Exactly. <laughs> um, 
So the the idea of being a hot take purveyor was never something I wanted to do. And it does make me and it still makes me a little uncomfortable. I mean, the, the things I love about the podcast that we do is that we're not tasked with having dramatic opinions. And if there's a criticism of the show, it's often that you, Mike, and I agree on everything because we have a, a politically sensible approach to sports. <laughs> um, is that why? OK, it might be. Um, or at least an ethically sensible approach to sports that they don't matter as much as we want them to matter, with the exception being LSU football, of course. Um, so I do still find it weird, but I also find it it's a release in a lot of ways, especially as I'm mostly you know working on books. So the, the have a weekly forum to write one thing, whether it's the afterball or to share a thought I had about a particular issue, is – I think a compliment to not having the daily release of covering a beat or covering an industry the way I did in my previous life. Like Pablo, you had um, what what show were you on where you were talking about rape culture? Um, uh, Levitard's radio show. Yeah, and like that was a thing that you know people were sharing on Twitter, and it was a great thing that you said. And having that platform, whether it's daily or weekly, to talk about stuff and put inject things into the conversation, I think now is perhaps more um, important than having the column, like because of the way people share stuff on social media. And I don't know, maybe that's not right. Maybe if you had written it in the kind of same way that you're able to articulate it on the air, it would have been shared as much. Well, well, what I would say is that, you know, there is there is this dynamic that I am very sympathetic to. And I assume that you guys are Stefan just hinted at it where sports is kind of America's big tent. It's the town hall. It's where a lot of people who may otherwise not care about important issues come together and begin to talk about it. I mean, that was Mm -hmm. the case on today's show, certainly with with Derek Rose uh, and Josh Brown. And it's the case um, with so many subjects, whether that's the only context where people may actually care about uh, management versus labor. Um, It's the only context where people may consider where public money is going in a rigorous sense. Like for me, being able to be inside of of a machine that exists um, in some sense as a Trojan horse for more important issues um, is what's really gratifying to me. And, And I do think there's something about the medium where, yeah, I'm on this sports radio show or I'm on this program that tends to deal with with the meat and potatoes of sports. But if I can subvert that and if I can open up that Trojan horse and leap out of it with a take that may startle some people and gratify others, then that's an immensely satisfying thing um, that my previous job as a magazine feature writer didn't quite allow because of the mandate. And were a lot of jobs, quite frankly, if I was a political uh, opinion maker, I would not have the same audience. Um, and I find that audience insofar as they are people resistant sometimes to being challenged on these fronts and that whole stick to sports phenomenon, um, then yeah, that, that to me is, is a great uh, privilege and a great luxury um, insofar as I can be heard by people that I think I would like to hear me. Well, the, I think the, the question with something like with a platform like ESPN is that for all of its, its, its reach, um, the challenge and the trend at the same time have been to add depth 
and to add a sobriety to the nature of the conversation. You know, what we try to do here, the, or, or, or you know, three, let me try it again, three, two, one, sort of like what we do try to do here without sounding highfalutin. But, you know, you see more of it with 538. They've got great podcasts. Sure. And having you be on the kinds of shows that we one might have associated with um, less frivolous sports conversation is mm-hmm. a great thing. Thank you. Thank you. I try to be the, you know, I look, I, I want to disguise the vegetables that I'm serving people. Um, I don't want people to feel like they're eating vegetables when they're listening to me. Um, and the challenge is to, yeah, to be high and low, to be highbrow, lowbrow, and ultimately get to a place where, you know, people are learning something and also being entertained. And, and that's the thing, by the way, about, like, I can give you the same, uh, I think, philosophy around why First Take, for instance, is a problematic television institution. Um, the frivolity, the uh, anything relating to your taste around sports on this podcast, I feel like first take does not align. But I also recognize, like, man, in terms of sheer performative entertainment, like Stephen A. Smith is really good at that. Like, there is a skill and a degree of difficulty to sounding a certain way and being uh, a person who attracts people in the way that they talk. Mm-hmm. And I'm not that's, trying to emulate him. That's one way of describing it. No, but, but let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me clarify that because even if the substance of what he says may be objectionable to any number of people, the fact that he is delivering it in a certain way, like that could just not be your taste, but I guarantee that he is being heard by all of these people. And so my challenge is learn what I can from the people who, who uh, the highbrow types may not like and also figure out how can I make it so that my Trojan horse is most effective. I'm never going to scream. I'm never going to do that stuff. But I do think there's a lesson to be learned in, like, in entertainment. And, the, and where to balance that is, I think, the struggle of anybody on television. Um, it's recognizing, yes, Stephen A is really good at X, and my tastes run more Y. And so what can I learn from that guy doing X in a world in which he's very successful? Um, so I just don't want to totally degrade that concept, but I do know when to zag when they zig. Um, all right. I want to button it up with just with one other thing. Like the few times that I've done TV, I've just been so uncomfortable with yeah, the whole sure. um, production and spectacle and just the idea that everybody is basing their perception of it just based on how you look and, um, you know, what you might be wearing or mm-hmm. how how were you able to get over that? Are you not <laughs> over that? Is it just I mean, the obvious stupid but correct answer is that you just do it a lot and you stop thinking about it. No, I mean, well, that is that is fundamentally the solution to it. Um, but, you know, the first TV I ever did was The O'Reilly Factor, ironically enough. And that was when I was at Sports yeah. Illustrated. Um, was doing, uh, I, was, I was in New York when everybody else had gone to Beijing during the 2008 Olympics. No one was around, time difference and all that. Bill O'Reilly wanted to talk about Michael Phelps. And so I went over there, sat across from this man. It was incredibly surreal. He lectured me about his swimming career in high school on Long Island. <laughs> None of that is an exaggeration. There's a clip somewhere where it's just mostly me listening and nodding very anxiously. Um, but basically, once you get into that setting and you leave and you survive, um, you realize, okay, it's not going to get more ridiculous than that. And so I think I had an initiation into the world of television um, where I can look at these characters and look at these caricatures of people often a lot of people on tv are are extreme and ridiculous but you know it it, you become numb to it i guess so yeah ultimately it is the thing you said where you just become desensitized to it um but also also i have this 
this mission, I have this undying belief for my own sanity um, that if I say something good, that's still going to, to translate. Um, and that's my hope is that I'm still going to provide people with, with thoughts and with opinions and with research and with facts that, that will still be compelling and useful to them. And by the way, that does not mean that I'm not going to be called out regularly um, for being someone who it seems to the average sports fan may not be able to throw a spiral. Like I can throw a spiral for the record. I want to get that on the record with you guys. But I'm regularly asked, you know, even beyond did you play the game? Like, can you even throw a spiral, bro? You know, it's, it's basically that. And, I'm, and as much as I'm numb to that, um, I also realize that if I'm if I'm provoking some response along those lines after saying something like that rape culture discussion you alluded to kindly, Josh, then then that's part of the trade off, too. But can you snap a spiral, Pablo? <laughs> that is something that I have never tried. And I and I leave to the more practiced members yeah. of, of this podcast no. like yourself. Your opinions are no I, longer uh... valid. I think you should end every segment that you do on TV by just throwing a spiral. That could be your trademark. I mean, that is literally what Sean Hannity does, and part of me wants to absolutely do that. If you watch Sean Hannity, which I have done anthropologically, um, he ends and goes into breaks by throwing a spiral around the studio. I so, did not know that. Yes, so, that's not a joke. Should I continue the segment until I, I'm at 155 now on Torch Run? bragging. Yeah, should, I, should we end oh. it? I think we should just end it here. Um, Pablo. I didn't realize you can go diagonally with such uh, agility in this game. <laughs> that was the real takeaway. Wait, you can go diagonally? So oh, yeah. now we know that when Pablo's on around the horn, he's going to be playing Torch <laughs> Run while Plashki is talking. Thank you for doing the show, man. That was fun. Yes, anytime, and, guys. And Slate Plus members, we'll be back next week. Talk to you then.